We were um, studying through the book of Joshua. And uh, as you're well aware, we've gotten into the section that is um, uh, dry and of sorts because it is just a giving of the land. But in, in, in every chapter, there is something we can hook on to. And in chapters 16, the last verse, verse 10, and in chapter 17, we see that two of the sons of Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh, are not satisfied with the land that they receive. You know, it, uh, it's going to speak to you and me of so many people of not satisfied with what their lot is in life, what, what they have. And, and Joshua is just going to give us such practical advice upon how we are to deal with those things that we receive that we're not sure it's enough for us. And I am here to say to you, this, this place in Scripture, would you turn with me please, Joshua chapter 16 and 17, last verse in uh, chapter 16, and the, the middle to the end of chapter 17. Both Manasseh and Ephraim are, let's put it bluntly, they're very prideful. Uh, you see, Joshua is from the family of Ephraim. So Ephraim and Manasseh feel they've got a leg up on all of this. They're entitled I mean, here he's a part of their family. They're entitled to more. And so many of us within our faith, we, we think that, that, that we are owed more. When in fact, here's the key. I'm going to tell you about the whole message in one little sentence. <laughs> we should go home. Huh? Um, the whole key is that God says in Ephesians, the corresponding book with with joshua ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 it says it all we have been blessed with what i've said it a lot every spiritual blessing we have received every spiritual blessing that is needed for us we have as much and more than we could ever dream of having and so joshua is going to say to ephraim and manasseh you have the whole mountain you have it all why are you begging for more? Just clear out the land. And God is saying to those of us that don't feel that we've, feel that we've gotten the short end of the stick, He says, no, not on the contrary. I have given you every single blessing that you need. You need to clear out the land, though. See, the problem with us as believers is that we feel we get everything. We're entitled. We are entitled. We've accepted the Lord. We're entitled we, we haven't been told and we haven't been taught, and if we have been, we've been taught improperly that, that we think everything is just a bed of roses once we come to the Lord. Once you and I come to the Lord, it's just the beginning of the marvelous journey, but it's going to take energy. It's going to take, um, I don't know, battles. Battles must be won. That's why in Ephesians, that's why in Ephesians we are told we are to put on the full armor of God. It is not a, just a, a, a waltz through a, a very easy stroll through the park. No, we are told in the Hebrews that we are to fix our eyes on Jesus and we are to run the race that has been given to us with endurance. We're to put aside all the sin that so easily entangles us and run with endurance the race that is set before us. And so this is the message of today. Today's message just kind of goes along with what all has been happening here. But it's more of a, a challenge, I think, to you and me to, to be serious about our faith. Be serious about 
whatever it is you're doing. My father used to say to me this, son, after I got through mowing the lawn, son, any job worth doing is worth doing correctly. Now look how bad of a job you've done. You know, and I wanted to get done with it and go play. And dad would say, you know, you've got to do it correctly. Any job worth doing is worth doing correctly. And so that's basically what today's message is about. Uh, Ephraim and Manasseh feel they're entitled. They want more land. And Joshua is going to challenge them. And all they have to look at is Caleb. Man, Caleb is such a, a worthy, worthy person to observe. Caleb didn't ask for he didn't ask for anything pretty he says give me the mountain give me the hillside and give me the ones with the giants in it i'll see if god does not give me that land and so joshua is going to tell ephraim and, and manasseh basically the same thing that was required of caleb now before we get into uh verses six i mean chapters 16 and 17 I want you to hold that place. And, and the book just before is Deuteronomy. I want to kind of uh, solve some of the questions that have been asked about why does God have them kill everything and everyone? Um, you need to know that God had given people plenty of time to repent. Uh, in, the people in the promised land, over 420 years was given to them to repent. They had the message, come to God, come to God, come to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But people denied him, and they went after and followed after false gods. And so God is going to say to the Israelites, you need to take care of this situation. Just like for you and me, um, we used to warn our children, you, you know, you need to be careful who you hang out with. Who you hang on with is going to, be more, going to say more about who you are than a lot of times what you're going to say about your own self. We used to say to them, when you go out, just remember this one thing. This is the only thing you need to remember, that you're a warehouse. You, you need to represent that name. You need to represent your grandma, your grandpa. You need to represent all of us. And so what is, what is happening here is that the people of Israel need to represent who they are in Christ. Not in Christ in this case, in, in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They represent His name. And so in the book of Deuteronomy, if you would turn with me there, please. And then we'll come right back. Let me, let me tell you what God says to the nation of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 20. Look at verse 10. It says, He tells them, When you approach a city to fight against it, you shall offer it terms of peace. In other words, God is saying again, I've given them ample warning. I want you to tell the people they must turn to believe in me. But they have refused him over and over for over 400 years, more really. It says in verse 11, if, if it agrees to make peace with you, and it opens to you, then, then all the people who are found in it shall become your forced labor and shall serve you. However, if it doesn't make peace with you, but makes war against you, then you shall besiege it. Now, I want you to remember that he says, if they agree to make peace with you, then they are to be your forced laborers, and they'll serve you. Now, if not, then you should, should besiege it. Verse 13 
when the Lord your God gives it into your hands. Now, it, there's so much that you can learn from just reading and, and stopping and, and, and pausing when you read and see the Lord gives them the victory. The Lord gives the victory. He is the one who gives the land to them. He is the one who gives them into their hands. God does it. He wins our battles. Every battle that you and I have is, is His. He will, he will win it for us. He will, he will exalt us, as He says, at the proper time. If we'll just humble ourselves under His mighty hand. So, He says, Then you shall strike all the men with the all the men in it with the edge of the sword but the women the children the animals and all that is in the city all of its spoil you shall take as booty it's for yourself you shall use the spoil of your enemies which the lord your god has given you so they are not to destroy everything and everyone the women the children the animals no but just the men Thus he says in verse 15, you shall do to all the cities that are very far from you, those that you're going to go and do battle with, which are not of the cities of the nations nearby. Now, he is now going to talk about what we are going through right now here in Joshua. He is now going to talk about the cities, those people who are in the promised land, who are a part of the land that has been given to the Israelites. He says... In the cities, verse 16, in the cities of these people, the people who are nearby, that the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance, this is yours, you shall not leave alive anything that breathes. You shall utterly destroy them, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, I think, the Hivites, the Jebusites, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Now, I read you all of that to, to get to verse 18. The reason they were to destroy these people who have heard over and over and over and over again about the wonders of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and who have refused to to believe in him, but have chased after false gods, gods that they have made with their own hands, gods that they worship. God says to Israel, so that they may not teach you to do according to all of their detestable things which they have done for their gods, so that you would sin against the Lord your God. He is saying to Israel, separate yourselves from those people who follow after false gods. Don't have anything to do with them because they might come into your camp and infiltrate and show you a little bit of their truth, what they believe is truth, and, and all of a sudden it's a mismatch, and, and you don't know what you believe in. It's the same thing that's going on today in our society. We need to separate ourselves from this world. If you are watching the news at all, and if you are seeing what's going on, and the things that are happening in our society now, as we speak, how government is... I'm not political. Trust me, I'm not going to get into anything political, but government is is laying down... Laws now. My wife told me about one of the things in the stimulus package, which I'm not going to be political. Honest, I'm not. But this needs to be said. One of the things that's in the stimulus package is that any any government-supported school must therefore ban any Bible studies within those four walls. They cannot study the Bible. They cannot have meetings because they are government-supported. They can't be. But would they? Can they still pass out? You know what? And can they still do anything they want? Probably, but not Christian, not Bible study. 
And that's what's happening in this world. This world is saying to you and me, what used to be good is now seen as bad. And what used to be bad is now seen as good. And so God is saying, look, when you see these people who have, back to Deuteronomy in the 18th chapter, who have chased after false gods, destroy them because I do not want them infiltrated to teach you of their detestable things that they have learned from their gods. Really, not from their gods, but from their own imagination. Same thing as what's happening within our society today. I, I just went up north, and I'm not going to take too long on this, but I was with a, some very dear friends. One of my friends has, has cancer. So we wanted to visit him, make sure you know, that he knows that we're there, three of us. We played basketball together at school, and, uh, you know, Bill. And, and we went up, and, and uh, one of the persons there started questioning me about, um, about my faith. And, and I, I, didn't want to, I didn't really want to get into any kind of a, a debate. I just didn't feel like it was the right place. And, but I was, it, was, it was the pursuant. They, they made sure that, that um, this was going to be discussed, and they... They said, well, this is what I, I study. And they showed me the book called The Secret. And they said, well, Oprah uh, recommends it highly. And I said, Oprah recommends it highly. Oprah recommends it highly. So you think it's, it's good? Oprah? You think that she is the, the bear-all and the tell-all of, of spiritual things? And she said, well, yes. She says, inside this book is, is things about Jesus and Buddha and, and all God. All people are together. And she says, what do you think of this book? And I said, I don't want to get in an argument. I really don't. Oh, what do you think of this book? I said, I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. It's garbage. It's garbage. Oh, boy, did she get mad at me. I said, I told you I didn't want to argue. You think it's good? I think it's garbage. Do I get mad because you think it's good? It's garbage. <laughs> I was a little strong at that point, I think. I was. I didn't want to, I didn't, you know, okay, you want to fight? Okay, I'm willing to fight. Jimmy will tell you, we'll fight. If you really want to fight, okay. And I'll take Jimmy with me too, by the way. We can, we can, if you really want to fight, okay, but I don't want to fight. But if you really want to, okay. God is saying to you and me, hear it closely. He is saying, let's not get entangled into this world in which we live that's trying to teach us and tear us away from the wonders of who He is. And the world is trying to do that to you and me. That's why I so admire you coming to church. I mean, really, I admire you. I mean, you take of your time to come and worship the Lord your God. Do you know how many people think you and I are fools for doing this? Absolutely fools. But we know better. We know better. And so the reason that God had them destroy these people is not because God is a mean God. He had them destroy these people because he did want them to teach them the detestable things what they have done for their gods under their name. Now, let's go back to where we ought to be in the book of Joshua. We are told in the Old Testament that Israel was to destroy their physical enemies because their physical enemies could have removed them or taken them away from the teachings of their only God. So in the New Testament, you and me, we are to destroy any spiritual enemies, any sin that so easily entangles us and can keep us away from the pure love and the pure blessings that the Lord our God wishes to give to us. I don't want you to turn there because I really did spend a little bit more time on this than I had planned up the introduction. 
But in John chapter 14, you can look at it later, the 23rd verse, simply Jesus says this. He said to them, if anyone loves me, he says, you will keep my word. That's why we are so, are so strong and so persistent upon this, learning the word of God. Jesus didn't mince any words. He says, if you'll love me, if you'll love me, you're going to keep what is written within these pages. You're going to keep my word. Then he says, if you'll do that, if you will love me and keep my word, then my Father will love you. And we, my Father, the Holy Spirit, and I, we will come to you and make our abode, our fellowship with you. And that's the promise that God has given to Israel. That's the promise that God has given to you and me. But what we need to do is to separate sin from us so that we can have this pure fellowship, the pure blessings that God wants to bring our way. What we see here in the 16th and 17th chapter of Joshua is Ephraim and Manasseh don't do as God has commanded them to do. They were disobedient. Read with me, please, and let's see what they don't do. Chapter 16, verse 10, only one verse, and then we'll come to chapter 17 and read from verse 12 to the end of it. Chapter, chapter 16, verse 10. But they, talking about Ephraim, they did not drive out the Canaanites who lived in Gezer. So the Canaanites live in the midst of Ephraim to this day, and they became forced laborers. Okay, were they asked for them to be forced laborers? No. God said clearly in the book of Deuteronomy, for the people of the Canaanites, they are not to be forced laborers. You are to wipe them out because they will infiltrate you with their false religious beliefs. And before you know it, it'll start to spread to your children. If it doesn't spread to you, it'll be infiltrated within your society. And before you know it, you won't know what is, what is right and what is wrong. And so they now have, Ephraim has now made the Canaanites their forced laborers. We're not supposed to be. Now let's go to verse 12, verse 12 of chapter uh, 17. The sons of Manasseh. Now this is the two groups that we're talking about. Ephraim and Manasseh, the children, the sons of Joseph. And, and, and Joshua is a part of that family line. But the sons, verse 12, the sons of Manasseh could not take possession of these cities because the Canaanites, again, persisted in living in that land. And it came about when the sons of Israel became strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor. They didn't drive them out completely. Folks, that was not what they were told to do. You and I have been, been told to do certain things within our faith and we need to know what it is that God says is good and we need to know what God says is bad and we need to do what God says is good and not do what He says is bad. These people knew better. Verse 14, so on top of that, now, verses 14 through 18, the sons of Joseph spoke to Joshua. This is Ephraim and Manasseh. And they said, Why have you given me only one lot and one portion for an inheritance, since I am a numerous people whom the Lord has thus far blessed? In the New King James, it's a better rendering. It's not numerous people, but a great people. What they were saying to, to Joshua is, We're great. We are a great people. We need more. We need more land. We are a great people. Joshua, verse 15, says to them, If you are a numerous or a great people, 
Then go up to the forest and clear the place for yourself there in the land of the Perizzites and and of the Rephraim, since the hill country of Ephraim is too narrow for you. The sons of Joseph said, The hill country is not enough for us. And all the Canaanites who live in the valley land have chariots of iron, both those who are in Bethshean and its towns and those who are in the valley of Jezreel. So Joshua spoke to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim and to Manasseh, said, You are a great people, and you have a great power. You shall not have one lot only, but the hill country is yours. For though it is a forest, you shall clear it, and to its farthest borders it shall be yours. You shall drive out the Canaanites, even though they have chariots of fires, iron and even though they are strong they are like giants in the land they have enough land he has given them all that land all that mountainside all they have to do is clear it out but that takes work god has given you and me all the blessings that we need to live comfortably to live at peace to have great joy in this life in which we now live but we have to clear out the land In other words, we have to do the work so that the blessings may be ours. And too many of people in our faith today, too many people in our faith today think that we are entitled. We are not entitled. We need to work to receive the blessings that God wants to give us. And in essence, that's the message. Now, let's pray and see what is said here and how it fits and hopefully hopefully how it fits in your life and in my life, so that we can become that people that will serve the Lord our God and, and, and work diligently to be faithful. Father, please open up our eyes that we might behold wonderful things from your law. Teach us, dear, dear Father. Move me aside, I beg of you, that you would be the only one that might be seen just through your words that we read that we would understand what you are saying to both the, the tribe of Ephraim and the tribe of Manasseh. We might impro- appropriate that into our own lives, that we would be hearing you speak these words to us. We need to clear out the land. We need to deal with sin that is separating ourselves from you. We need to absolutely kill it so that we can walk purely with you as a people. Father, please, allow us to see and to hear from you. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, first thing we notice about these people, they're prideful. In in the New King James, it says, not that there are numerous people. They say, we're great people. We are great people. You see, Joshua, being from the tribe of Ephraim, they felt that they were, as I said, entitled. They felt that they were a special people. Therefore, they needed special treatment. You know, the land that God was going to give them was the land that God was going to give them. It was enough. It was the perfect land. In essence, the gifts that you and I have, they're, they're the perfect gift. God has given you and me gifts. He has given us an inheritance. Our inheritance are the blessings that He pours out upon us. And each and every single one of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior have been given a spiritual gift, at least one. And He wants us to use that gift. And to use that gift, it means that we have to cultivate it. 
But pride, pride can be such a devious thing. There are so many things about, that says about pride. But in Proverbs, in the 11th chapter, the 16th chapter, and the 29th chapter, as you can see up there, Proverbs 11, 2, 16, 18, and 29, 23. Let me read to you what it says about pride. It says, When pride comes, will come, then will come dishonor. But with humility is wisdom. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before stumbling. Proverbs 29, 23, A person's pride will bring them low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. And I might add to you one of the verses, or two verses that I've asked people to memorize in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, so that He might exalt you and me at the proper time. In the meantime, while you're waiting for that blessing, that exalting, it says in the next verse, cast all your anxieties, all your cares upon Him because He cares for you. He knows what you're going through. He sees it all. So Joshua says to them, oh, well, you are a great people, are you? Look at verse 15. It's almost, almost written or said with a, a touch of sarcasm. He says, if, if you're such a great people, then, then prove it. Caleb did. Caleb went in and he, he drove out all of the giants and he, he cleared out the, the mountainside. You do the same. Do what Caleb did. Defeat the giants. Clear the land. Claim the mountain for yourself. Look at verse 15. Joshua said, well, if you are a numerous people, if you're so great, then go up to the forest. Clear a place for yourself in the land. You can have it all. Just clear it out. But they complained, oh, wait, no, 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 we can't. The, the, the Canaanites, verse 16, the Canaanites are there. And, and they've got chariots of iron, Joshua. When God says it's theirs. God says this is yours and this battle is already won. I've won it for you. And they're making excuses of why they can't go into the land and clear it out and, and defeat the, the Canaanites when in fact they should have, without even asking any questions, there would have been plenty of land for them. So Joshua is basically saying through God to them, if you don't like what you have, if you're not happy with what I have given you as an inheritance, then fight for more. Clear out the land. There's plenty of land. Just take out the trees and move the Canaanites, those giants with, with, with chariots of iron, move them out of the land. It's plenty for you, but it's going to cost you to to get that land cleared out. It's going to cost you to have that land be yours. Folks, the gift that you have, John and I were talking just earlier, who greets at the front, and, and I don't want to speak for you. I, I don't want to misinterpret, but you said you love doing that, and you understand what that gift is, just to say hi to people. You see, he could stay home and rest, but no, he comes, and he serves the Lord in that fashion. And it takes work. It takes work. Trust me, I know. I roll out of bed. When I roll out of bed, almost almost to every morning I say, I don't want to study today. It's, it's getting a little old, you know, 20 years now. I don't think I'm going to study today. And I know who's saying that. I know exactly who's saying that. It ain't, it ain't my, the Holy Spirit within me. It's my old nature. My old nature is lazy as all get out. I'm pretty lazy, even in my new nature. (laughs) 
But my own nature is just wretched, wretched, wretched. And so I walk, I put on my sweats, and I put some water in my face, and I brush my teeth, and I walk to my computer, and I start studying. And before I know it, it's noon, it's it's 1 o'clock, and, and I know it's getting late because all of a sudden I'm hungry. And I've studied all that time, and I, I think, the Lord, I said, I can't believe that I was going to miss this. can't believe it. But it takes work. It does. It takes work. It, it costs you something to do what God has given you to do. And, and so many of us think it's, it's not work, and it is. It is. But it is as John and I expressed with one another. Once we do it, we can't, we can't believe that we didn't want to do it. It's such a blessing. You see, each tribe was appointed portion of land as an inheritance it was given to them from god just as you and i have been given gifts to serve the body of christ let's take the moment to to hold our place here and and turn to the middle of the new testament first corinthians chapter 12 if you go to the you know matthew mark luke and then john after you go to book of john next will be the book of acts and then the book of romans and then there's first corinthians And look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Three verses, powerful verses. Watch what God says about what He has given you and think about about the gift that you've received from Him and what you ought to do with it. And I'll try to give you an example that maybe drives it home. Verse 7, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. To each one of us is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Stop right there. The gift that you have is to build up the body of Christ. It was given to you for the common good of the body of Christ. You have not received a gift that you can keep to yourself. You've received a gift so as to give it out so that the body of Christ is built up, edified, so it is blessed by what you have and what you've been given. And what you have been given will take work to make it all that you want it to be. Now look at verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. And so what we see from that verse is that God gives it to you as He sees fit. It's like the land that God gave to Ephraim and Manasseh. That was their land that He gave to them. He knew that was going to be perfect for them. But they wanted something else. They wanted more. And God knows what He has given to you is just absolutely perfect for you to build up the body of Christ. You have been given a gift by God. And so many of us have been received or given this gift by God and tuck it away, saying, you know, I can't do that. I don't have the time. I can't do that. I'm not smart enough. I can't do that. Whatever reason or excuse we can give to ourselves not to do it, and we end up not using the gift that He has given us. And how do you want to stand before Him one day and say, thanks for my bicycle. It's brand new. I've never ridden it. You can give it to someone else. Come on, ride the thing until you break it down. Use it. Use the gift that God has given to you. Verse 18, But now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, as He has desired. He has you here, and He has me here for a reason. We are here for a purpose. He has desired us to be here at this point in time to do what He has given us to do so that the whole body will be built up. It's as simple as that. 
But some of us don't want to do what God has asked us to do. We don't want to fight for it. It does take time. It does take energy. We need to do what God's asked us to do. If we look back on Joshua chapter 16 and 17, verses 10 in chapter 16, and verses 12 and 13 in chapter 17, we see clearly they didn't do what they were told to do. They did not put the enemy out of the land. They were told to, to but they didn't. Okay, okay, they made their mistake. Let's, let's, live, let's leave it alone. Let's stop beating them up. Let's beat each other up. What about us? The question that you and I must face then is this. Is the enemy, is Satan still sharing our land? In other words, is Satan still living within us? Is he still pestering us? Is he still kind of nicking at us because we haven't driven him out? Not that he won't come back day by day, but we need to drive him out. We need to clear out our land so that the blessings can be ours. And so Joshua, in verse 18, says to the, the people of Ephraim and, and Manasseh, look, I know that the fight is going to be difficult. He says, look, he says, the hill country is yours. It's yours. It's a forest now. But you have to clear it out. You ever try to cut down trees? That's hard work. I haven't, but I've watched people try. <laughs> I'm so lazy. I'm so lazy. Look at these hands. They haven't done a day's work in their life. Mm. A forest, he says, clear it out to its furthest border. It's going to be yours. You've got plenty of land there. You just gotta, you've got to clear out the trees. You've got to drive out those Canaanites, by the way. They're not supposed to be your forced laborers. They're supposed to be out of there so that they don't infiltrate your children and your people with their heresy, their false doctrines. Get them out of there. I know they have chariots of iron, he says in verse 18. I know they're strong. I know the battle's going to be difficult, but you can do it. God has given you the land. So I say to you, and I try to encourage you the best I know how. I know, I know, I know it's hard work. Trust me. Trust me, I understand. School wasn't one of my favorite subjects. Reading, I hate to read. What do I do now every day? Read. And I study. I got homework. I got homework. I wanted no homework. That's why I wanted to play baseball. I didn't want homework. I wanted to take ground balls. I wanted to take batting practice. I don't want homework. I got homework. I don't like homework. But I do it. I do it because I want to battle. I want to be all that God wants me to be. And so do you. I know that you do. I know it. I know that you do. You see, the question that faces every single one of us is this. Do you desire to walk with the full blessings of our Lord? Of course you do. I know. That's a, that's, a, that's a rhetorical question. I know the answer. If you do, though, since you do, let me say it that way, since you do, it's going to be a tough battle. Make no mistake about it. The moment you start making some headways, as so, soon as you start making some ground, you start doing better, you can bet your last dollar that Satan's going to want to take the pins out from under you. He's going to defeat you. He wants to discourage you so that you'll stop doing those things that are going to build up the body of Christ. I know. It's a battle. 
And so what God is saying basically to Israel here in Joshua, He is saying to you and me today, are you willing, He says, to fight for your land? Are you willing to fight for the blessings that are yours? The battle is the only way you're going to get it. And you and you and, you alone can do it. You, nobody can help you do it. We'll be here to encourage you. We'll be here to, to build you up. But when it comes down to the last last thing, I guess I, I don't know what to say, except that it, it's going to be your decision to do it, to walk with the Lord, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your strength. And it is a spiritual battle. In the Old Testament with Joshua, it was a physical battle. They had to literally do battle with swords, killing. I I don't know how they did it. I don't know how they did it. Your battle and my battle today is not physical. It's spiritual. That's why in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 20, it tells us, put on the full armor of God because you're going to have to do battle, spiritual battle. And you and you alone are the only one who's going to be able to clear out the trees, that sin that's, uh, that's stopping you from getting all the blessings that you deserve. And so Joshua says to Ephraim, and he says to, to Manasseh, you can read it pretty clearly. He says, don't come to me and complain. God has given you your land. And there's plenty of land. You just got to go and get it. You've got to clear it out. You've got to do battle. And so God is saying to you and to me, There's a multitude of blessings out there. You've got more blessings than you'll ever, ever, ever be able to use up in this lifetime. You just got to go out there and receive it. You're looking for more opportunities to serve the Lord? Greater doors of service? Well, there are going to be trees that you're going to have to clear out. Sin. These trees will mar your vision. These trees, sin, will block your progress. These trees, sin, will hinder your victories. You've got to cut them down. you just got to. You've got to get rid of them. You've got to get rid of those things that so easily entangle you. Let's close with this place in Scripture. Turn to Hebrews. We saw it last week. I'd love for you to look at me again. It's, it's too important to just give it only one week's notice. Take it. look at Hebrews chapter 12. Now, If you go to the last book in your Bible, the book of Revelation, and you turn to the left, you're going to go past uh, Jude, it is, I believe, and then 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. Actually, it goes 3rd, 2nd, 1st John. Then 2nd and 1st Peter. Then it's going to be James. And then will be Hebrews. And if you look at Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to close with this. It gives you the, the very essence of how you and I can get rid of this sin, how we can have victory. The writer of Hebrews says in verse 1, Therefore, since you have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding you, let you also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles you, and, and let you run with endurance that race that has been set before you. That, that first verse tells you and me that we need to get rid of those things that are encumbering us, that, that are holding us back. We have an endurance race to run in this life in which we live. And each of us have our own race. That race that is set before you. Each one of us have a particular race to run. Some of you, like Karen, you know, watch you drive up with that hot red 
pick up <laughs> today. Uh, and I, I couldn't help but smile and I couldn't help but pray and thank God for you. Because for her to come takes more time probably than every one of us here. And she's here. We're looking awfully pretty every time. Don't come just, you come. It's nice. Each of us have a different race. Each of us have something different that we have to fight through. And so let's, let's put aside all the sin that so easily entangles us. Let's run the race that God has given to us, that endurance race that's set before us. How do we do it? Verse 2, let's fix our eyes on Jesus. That's it. Consider him. Look at him. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He is there watching over you and me as, a, as we speak. And then the third verse is, is the best. Consider Jesus Christ. Why consider him? Well, consider him. He endured hostility by sinners. Why should we consider him? Simple. So that you and I may not grow weary and lose heart. You know how to keep on keeping on? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Separate yourself from sin that so easily entangles us because we've got an endurance race to run. Fix our eyes on Him and consider Him so that when we feel weary and we feel we can't take another step, we won't grow weary. We won't lose heart. We'll keep on keeping on. There's plenty of, um, of blessings for you. More than you'll ever experience in a lifetime. You won't be able to wear them all out. But I, I suggest that you and I try. Try to use them up. Don't you want the candle of your life to be just on the last little just little lit and then you just die and just used it all I'd like that I'm sure you would I love you guys so much I can't even believe it. listen it is like it's it's a mystery that anyone would listen to me trust me if this isn't a miracle if this isn't a miracle you don't know miracles it's a miracle it's a miracle it takes hard work though Father thank you for who you are I'm, I'm really sorry, Father, for Ephraim and, and Manasseh. They had to know better. And let me bring it down to today. I, I'm sorry for the things that I've disappointed you on. I'm like those guys. I know better. I know what it is that you've asked me to do. I know what it is that you've asked me to live. I understand. Father, may I fix my eyes on your son. May I move aside that sin that so easily entangles me so that I might run the race that you have given me this day, whatever it is. And when I grow tired, may I consider your son so that at least I will not grow weary and for sure I will not lose heart. Thank you, Father, for this time that we get to spend with one another. I absolutely love these people with all my heart. They're, they're so kind. So kind. So bless us as we go. And uh, watch over this country of ours. It's, uh, boy, it's just really going, it's going uh, in a bad direction, Father. Uh, 
may we hold fast to those things that we know are true. And may we at least be a light in this darkened world that we are living in. May we at least be salt to those who need that taste of salt. So Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for these people. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I love you all so much. I pray you have a great, great day. Thank you so much for being here.